Welcome to this special presentation of the Hive Live podcast as we take an introspective look at Influencing Entrepreneurs, a video and teaching series by our friend and colleague, Cass Ward. On this episode, we dissect some of David Campbell's thoughts. Campbell is the founder and CEO of Boxman Studios. I'm Jared Latch alongside my business partner, Tim Baer and Cass Ward, as we dive into episode 102 of Influencing Entrepreneurs. Key topics of conversation during this episode will revolve around the following. Entrepreneurial triggers, identifying opportunity in the market, knowing your value proposition and your competition, and growing into leadership. So guys, as we get in to this conversation, we want to start off with the entrepreneurial trigger because everyone has one in terms of what leads them and guides them into that first step. So with that, there's there's a list of somewhere around 10 items that cause people to go into entrepreneurial endeavors. And they're everything from family tragedy to midlife crisis to um, fall you know, fall upon wealth to IDing a new idea that there is a value proposition. And really one of the biggest triggers is out of necessity and need. And uh, David with Boxman's a perfect example of that in the fact that he was in real estate, commercial real estate. And in 2008, the market just crashed. And he his his work had dwindled at that point or it was you can all remember what that time was like that uh nobody's job was stable at that point and he was taking some time off he thought hey let's you know let's do something on our own so right there without an idea and we talked about other um episodes where the idea was there and that was the trigger he had the trigger to start his own company he just didn't have the idea yet and I liked that he saw an idea that he could get behind and try on his own with a shipping container. And the story that him and his wife came to the uh, ideation on the beach under a big, big top tent to go ahead and go forward with it is what I liked about this trigger. Yeah, and you know, what I liked was that it evolved. So, you know, it, it thought they thought about going to Charleston, selling oysters out of the you know, the, the shipping container. And then it evolved into this business where he saw it being utilized more and more as an opportunity for that extra location for a business uh, to find a way to get to customers. And, you know, you touched on a couple things throughout this, but, and we'll get to some of the, you know, the green ideas and whether it really was a green idea or if it was, you know, like he says, betterment, doing better things. But I think the the idea that he stumbled into this and started seeing an opportunity, it's pretty refreshing to hear uh, because a lot of times people are so scared about getting the idea, but you also have to be in the position to act upon that idea. And that's where he found himself. And his trigger was that risk was eliminated at that point. Right. With risk eliminated and him, you know, worrying about what his current career was, he said, why not do this? And it seems like a simple tr- trigger when you have nothing to lose, but most people have jobs and don't want to pull that trigger to say, why would I leave this job to go do my passion? And I love that. I mean, you see that there's different ways to respond to adversity and challenge. You can either go hide or you can do something about it. And he had the spark of innovation as far as his thinking was concerned to look at something that was normal and to make it that much better. And then not to stop at that, he continued to want 
to make it better. So it's always good to see where people start and what pushes them to that first step. And that was clearly identified with David. Now, looking for opportunity in the market, what did that look like for him in terms of taking a box and creating an experience in value? Well, what I find funny is that there is nothing attractive about shipping containers. So wanting to do anything with that at all to me is is kind of scary and crazy. And he even says that at certain points. And we, we talk about getting that first shipping container and how nasty it is. I remember you asking about the stench that <laughs> yeah, you know right. you walk in there and and what the heck are you thinking you're gonna do with this? Yeah, and he takes a moment to pause because you can tell that every sight and smell <laughs> hits him again as if it was you know 10 years ago of him stepping in there for the first time and and you mentioned it too tim that the first idea was to turn the first shipping container into an oyster bar so that one had a really good smell exactly container yeah. <laughs> oyster bar combined hey, you're leaning into it yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so having that idea of what he was trying to do and also not have the idea that i want to have hundreds of these go out every month or every year, he really was looking at how to execute and how can I learn as much as possible about this business or about what it will take to make it successful. It felt right. There was, there was enough going on and maybe I'm pigheaded enough to understand that there was some opportunity there. And then this is the first, I'm an entrepreneurial sort of mindset in almost everything I do. The difference in this company than what I've done in the past was I actually shared it with people. I, I didn't keep it to my chest. I didn't try to figure out how to make it perfect before I presented it to the world. I really said, we're just walking down this path. If you want to come help, help. If you want to figure out and put your two cents in, put your two cents in. But but it was really a collaborative effort. And and the reason was there wasn't an absolute path. There was no book that we were following that allowed us to do you know A and then B and then we get to ultimately see if we do some sort of secondary action. It was. I don't really know where we're going, but this is where I'm going. So we talk about knowing your value proposition. You need to know exactly what you're looking to offer and bring to the table. How well was that defined for him in this process? Well, what he does really well, and he, he comes out and says it, that the shipping containers are not what he's really selling. What he is selling is the architecture, the design, the agency feel of his company to get us into a service that best represents our, our business. So if it was Nexigy's shipping container storefront, Spiracles, the container itself is secondary, if not third or fourth on the list of importance. What they put into it in their design and architecture is what really sets it apart. Um, we've all seen bad storefronts. We've all seen bad logos. They spend the time to make sure that we don't, that the last thing you actually ever think of is the fact that this is a shipping container that is operating as a storefront, which your first value or your, your first, the value that they provide is, is people look at your storefront and think, oh, wow, what a cool, neat place. And it's a shipping container. It's secondary. And that's what they're so successful at. Now, had this been a brand new concept overall did he draw inspiration from seeing this occur i know when he thought of it at first he was looking at it on his own and he was evaluating it merely on what he was thinking so i think he had seen it happening but just not on a scale 
that they ended up being able to come out. The scale and the value. Yeah. Because that leads us to the competitors. Right. And that's a tough thing. I find it a hard thing for us, evaluating who your competitors are, what you take from that evaluation, how you use what you collect. I mean, it's a big challenge because for me personally, I don't want to get stuck on what our competitors do. I'd rather focus on what we're doing and being better. But I know that it is important to be aware of what your competitors are doing. Well, so going back to where he found out about this, he saw a lot of it in articles and it was happening more overseas and he thought he would do it here. So the first thought would be like, well, if I'm the first one to do that, maybe I have no competitors. While that sounds great, that actually can be even scarier because maybe the market's not there and that's why you don't have competitors. What, um, where I can tell that he's thought this through is when I push him on how this is such a green idea. And he immediately says, it is, it's for betterment, and I will not compete in that marketplace because I will get, ha-. his exact words were, I would get hammered. There are people doing out there, things out there on an environmental and green level that I cannot compete, compete with and that would just get you know clobbered. So I play in the architectural and design space. And that really is why they are successful is we even with the best intentions if he were to enter that area to make a better environment he may not be as successful with that not being his goal and his competitors he just happens to be making very uh environmental and eco-friendly solutions well and he talks about that as well he says not to discount it but he's in the architectural business but if someone has being green as a component and something that's really important to them then for sure they stress that in their design. Yeah, and you know, what I when I tried to think about when I came away from watching the episode was what's next? You know, what's their next step? I think they've they've cornered this market. They sort of own a little bit of this piece of this market, but what are they gonna go to next? Have you did you gain that from from talking to them a little bit more? No, I really my my take was they were just trying to build out the agency portion of their business. And focusing on that again, the the irony of it is they're really not in the shipping container business. They're in the design architecture. How you run that firm is a, much different than the shipping container business and renovation. Any leadership position has to continue to expand their abilities and their understanding of how they can help lead other people. Absolutely, I came to Boxman Studios with a, a very uh, casual understanding of what it constitutes to be a CEO. In my former life, I outsourced architects and engineers and contractors, and I was somewhat the puppet master of, of those actions. That's not a CEO, in my opinion. And, and it took me years to work on my craft. I still work on my craft every day as what it means to be a leader of an organization. So how, how do you transition from what you know to what you don't know right. personally? Yeah. Right? And for me, that's, that's surrounding yourself with the people that can help influence you and, and speak to you as frankly as you need to be uh, to help you see the next opportunity. And that brings us to that next piece of leadership, something that they're, he's stressing greatly. He's putting systems in place to reinforce that leadership component. Well, with that, I think he, the proof that I had from this that he is a good leader and will continue to develop as a leader is he says something that a lot of leaders do not say publicly, and he, he stresses how uncomfortable it makes him. 
that being in that leadership position is a lot of pressure and working a lot less in the business than he is with the people within with, with uh, that are employed by him. And I found that for him to share that with me on our first meeting, I, I really was like, this is what everyone needs to hear. On that entrepreneurial side or be my own boss side, people think I'll do it because everybody will listen to me. If that's the attitude going in and still your attitude after you're in that position, I guarantee you're doomed for failure. And for him to say, I am the leader, I have to work on it day in, day out, it still makes me uncomfortable, but anything I can do to become a better leader is something I'm working on, shows the understanding and the responsibility that he is taking on. I wanna go back to a moment with opportunity in the market. For him, we said that he had made, maybe drawn some inspiration from overseas, but he didn't have much here in terms of any competition. So when you're trying to figure out that market, does that just truly open the door for you to go out and test and find out what happens? So that, that is where he started. And he, uh, he really took it up as a side project. The, the business came out of, let's see what we can do with the shipping container. And again, it was donated to him. So he wasn't saying, I'll spend $10,000 on this. I'll spend this much time if I can sell it for 20. He was just really testing a concept out on his own to see if it was viable and what it would take. He actually did his homework. He did the manual labor and he figured out what it was going to take to to do this and then how to scale from there. One of the spots I also want to hit once again is a world with no competition is often not a very good world to be in. But why don't we talk through some of the things that the, the value that comes out of actually having competition, what that does for you when you, you're trying to innovate or make a product or service better? Well, number one, it helps you define a market to see if there is demand and what space you want to play in. If you des design some new product, some new food, how do you know people want that or there is demand for it? Um, how Sometimes there are products out there that are a solution to a problem that people don't realize that they have. So no different than, than Blockbuster and Netflix. We think of Netflix beat Blockbuster because now I can just watch it in my home and I don't need to go out there. The problem actually was the 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 pure um, idea of Netflix came from was I don't want to pay late fees anymore. We don't even talk about late fees anymore. But back in the days, you know, as us old timers say, um, returning a movie a day late cost you four dollars. I think a late fee is probably when Tim didn't return his books to the library. Yeah, I think he still, still has have those. a couple of those. Yeah, it's like that Seinfeld. <laughs> I think episode. they've forgiven. They've, yeah. they've been forgiven. Tropic of Camp Capricorn or whatever it was from <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, something like that. But nonetheless, uh, so when there are no competitors, you are creating a market. You are researching a market. You are measuring demand, and then if there the demand is not there because they don't realize it's a product they need or a problem they're trying to solve. Trying to create that is hit or miss. So that'll wrap things up here on this episode. We hope you've gathered some valuable takeaways and we encourage you to go watch the full video episode with David Campbell by visiting influencingentrepreneurs.com. You can check out more about Spherical Media 
by visiting spiraclemedia.com. For Tim Bear and Cass Ward, I'm Jared Latch. We appreciate you joining us. <laughs>